and welcome to No Rest of the Weekend, where we go behind the scenes and talk to the creators of independent entertainment. I'm Jason Godby, and with me, making his triumphant return to the Rabbit Hole studio once again, thrice times uh, on the show, Mr. Blake Farber. All right, can't have enough of me, huh? (laughs) Oh, man, thanks for coming back. Yeah, three times a charm. Definitely, three times a charm. So... You're here. This is kind of a special show because if you if I'm you want special. if you want to, if you want to hear about Blake, uh, you can revisit the first two episodes that he was on. We did a two-parter with him, one kind of talking about him and his method of like getting work, and then the second one is like once you've gotten the job. Uh, Blake is uh, an accomplished commercial director, but the reason he's here today is that we actually get to work together on a show uh, and. Um, we did. We we were on a commercial together. Blake invited me to come a part of, and it was a great experience. And I wanted to. We have behind the scenes footage that we can show you. Uh, so if you're a listener, you may want to watch this one. But um, we're going to talk about it. And first, I'll have you just kind of set it up for us. So what was the commercial for? How'd you get the job? Talk about talk about that. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about cell phones. Okay. So the most popular cell phones in the world would start with Apple. Now in countries. Uh, usually, okay, after Apple, it's Samsung. Then after that, it's something else. And then after that, it's a company called Oppo. Okay? Now, this company called Oppo is from China, and they're about the third biggest cell phone <laughs> maker in the world. Uh, little known fact, because it's not very popular in a lot of the Western countries, but it's huge in countries like India and China and throughout Asia, which is over two and a half, three billion people. Right. So the saying is, when you can't afford an Apple, you get a Samsung. When you can't afford uh, a Samsung, you get something else. And then you get an Oppo phone. They made a phone called RealMe. They wanted something to be shot in New York. They wanted something. They wanted someone who has experience in India, who has experience in New York, and someone who knows China working styles. And I'm, when I got this job offer... I was like, wait, I'm in India right now. <laughs> you were in India. I was when literally you got the in offer. India when oh, wow. I got the job, and then I saw signs for Oppo everywhere. Oppo, 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 Oppo. it's huge in India. Yeah, it, and um, it, I mean throughout the east, basically, mm-hmm. uh, India, yeah. China are probably their biggest markets. Yeah, and, and Southeast Asia and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and they said that they like their. Um, I think their biggest market is India. Um, I mean, yeah. India is huge anyway. It's mm-hmm. a giant country. Yeah. So you were in India when you got the call to come to New York to yeah, shoot. Yeah, and a, I knew about the phone, phone from a Chinese phone for the Indian market. Yeah. So they're like, we want a director from New York or right. who knows New York, who knows China, and knows about India. I was like, uh, okay, check, check. <laughs> Wait, I'm from New York. Right. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Right, that's you clicked. You clicked all three. Yeah. Boxes. Exactly. So. Um, and so th- this was with um, this was interesting because we were working with two different studios. Mm-hmm. It was EI Studios and Rolling Studios, yeah. which I think are, are they both based in Brooklyn? Uh, I know Rolling Queens and Brooklyn. Queens and Brooklyn, close enough. Um, so they were and uh, EI was kind of acting as sort of the agent. Uh, they were kind of working directly yes, with the company, sort of agent. Yeah. Um, usually in China, if you do a job overseas, they always get a local Chinese company, and that's the EI Studios, right? I Studios, however you pronounce it. Uh, our good friend Hong, thank you Hong. He was and great. Thank you Song for being so <laughs> adapting to me. <laughs> I mean, during the set, I was like yelling, Hong Song, Hong Song, because it was easier just to yell. Than, uh, yeah, and I'm sure he has a first name <laughs> that uh, neither one of us can pronounce. It's okay. But he was uh, he was great. We shot uh, for it was just two days, right? Two days. Okay. Yeah, it was should have been three. To be yeah, honest. it was. We I was, I was trying to think because we did. Three locations the first day, three mm-hmm. three or four locations the first day. Park Avenue, 
Then we shot in the boxing gym. Yeah. And then we shot two different floors at, at uh, Brooklyn Law yeah, School. We com- yeah, right down the street here. Yeah. We compacted it to be uh, two-in-one locations just to... And then the me. second day... Oh, well, the second we also had raining horrendous weather, um, which looks great on the roof. We shot the rooftop of the studio, mm-hmm. then we shot because they have a studio out in um, yeah, Rolling Studios is a great company. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Argento and uh, Sue, uh, they're a great producer uh, team. And so, what's great about that company is that they own or manage so many studios. So, they gave me a list and say, Where do you want to shoot? I said, Okay, here, 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 here. And we have access to like a key to all these places. Which yeah, is and they amazing. were gorgeous too. There was a place mm-hmm. out, they had this uh, studio out in Greenpoint, yeah. and they had it was like two different studios. And we shot they shot on the roof of one of them, yeah, um, which you'll see that's that's in the commercial. And then there was like the second floor one, uh, which was the beautiful stuff that we did with Kevin Rivera, right? And that was who actually I worked with Kevin uh, when I shot a uh, equipment review. Mm. I. I, uh, he's was, a great actor. Uh, he's he's awesome, wonder, talented, wonderful guy. kid, and uh, wonderful dancer too. And we um, we actually shot a, uh, a, I did a test of a gimbal, and he was like the dancer that that I shot on the gimbal. We went down to Coney Island. Shot oh, a dance I saw video. that. It was cool. It was really cool. Yeah. We had we had a great cast, great diverse cast, uh, and you know the whole thing. What would you say? Like the concept of the commercial was kind of like the phone is called Real Me. Well. Uh, before we go to there, they said, um, what are some ideas? Because they don't know New York. Oh, so did you come up with a concept for this? Yeah, I worked okay. with my friend Abby, and he's oh, cool. a great writer. So we kind of partnered up, and and he knows both Indian culture. He knows what he knows Opa well. He knows this kind of thing. Um, a little familiar with New York. So we together wrote something kind of interesting, and they liked it, and they adapted They changed the voiceover and everything like that. And something that makes sense for New York and those markets. The phone is called Real Me. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like this phone helps you be the real you. So everybody can it was like a double life kind of uh, scenario. AKA students who can't afford a uh, high-end phones, they get that phone. That's right. Plain simple. Right. It uh, looks like an iPhone completely. So we had um there were three principal characters. Mm-hmm. We had like uh uh the uh, my uncle uh, Aurora who was the uh the boxer. Right. Julia Doherty who was the the office worker slash motorcycle rider. There you go. And um, we had Kevin, a uh, street dancer, you know, someone who yells showtime in the subway. Right, right. That kind of character. Who's He's a, such a natural, talented guy. He was just on this HBO show. Random um, Acts of Flyness. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. And he was like the star of it. He was amazing. He was terrific. Yeah. He, was, he played this like Peter he, Pan character. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense without him. No. Um, and um, I thought everybody was very good. And the the production was, it was two days, but damn, was it a full two days. Yeah, that should have been three. It was two it, and a half. It least. was like, um, because the, f- the first day was Park Avenue. And we were shooting uh, motorcycle. Four in the morning. Yeah, we. I got there, what I. You guys. I don't know when you got there, but I got there about six, and you guys were ready to roll at six. Oh yeah, yeah, I was like, just get on the car. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I show up. I got my gear with me, and he's like uh, in the back of a camera truck, getting ready to roll. Yeah. And it's a motorcycle shot coming up uh, Park Avenue, and uh, so I, I. He's like, I said, what do you want me to do? He's like, just get, just get in the back of the truck. And uh, yeah, okay. One of the uh, one of the guys gets a, an apple box for me, and they chain it to the thing, and, and I'm like, you like in. you're strapped in. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it was like uh, it was like being uh, you know on, uh, hanging out of the helicopter. Yeah, almost. Uh, yeah, and, uh, exactly. And uh, we got some great shots driving up and down Park Avenue, which was. Did we close Park Avenue? Did uh, they? It was or, sort of. I mean, we had the police escort and everything. Yeah, like we had a, we had a cop traveling behind us or in front yeah. of us, which was good. And remember our motorcycle stunt? Uh, uh, she was. Uh, she crossed like 
the line and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. We had, and, um, I think she ran a red light. Yeah, and the, and the police were like, you got to follow the law. You got to follow. <laughs> yeah, don't, uh, you know, don't don't break it. And then uh, then we had the we had a car accident. You remember that? Oh, yeah, we filmed it, too. We filmed the car accident. Did so, oh, really? Did yeah, we, we did, got, did we I had the shots of it. I'm not using it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was somebody had, uh, I mean, it was early in the morning, so I'm thinking somebody just had a late night. And uh, I don't know, fell asleep or maybe had a few too many. Yeah, and, uh, she went right, all over the curb. I remember. Yeah, and right in Union Square too, like right where on 17th Street, uh, just went funk right yeah, off the edge into the flower um, pot. And I was I was going around. I was like, oh my god! What? And then I, then we lost our cop for a while because he went to go. Oh, he went. To, yeah, because a cop has to be a cop, and they have to. Uh, protect and serve. So I was yeah. like, uh, we, we got to be protected and served. Right, right. They have so. to, um, they have to take care of stuff like that. They can't just be movie cops. Yeah, uh, exactly. So and, and after that, we went to Gleason's Gym in Brooklyn. Yeah, classic uh, place. Except they moved. That was really cool because that place gave us. It gives you lots of authenticity. You know, yeah. it just looks. It's a real boxing gym, so it looks like a real boxing gym. And then you guys were we were in the ring. Uh, doing some boxing, I got some mm-hmm. great shots of that. And um, we had a coach too. Yeah, we. Now was he? Did he have a background in boxing? Did he know, or was he just an actor who looked like a great boxing? Coach? No, he had a background like martial arts and stuff oh, like okay. that. So he knew a bunch of the things. That's why he had the style and everything. And he's yeah. like, like, I was trying to f- make sure we can get a cast. Like they wanted everybody to be young. I said, great, but you need an older person to teach you how to be young, to teach you, or not teach you the ways of the force or something like that. And you I needed the mentor, mentor character. You needed a mentor character. Yeah. That was the big so, problem. Somebody who could could coach the young guy. Exactly. Because Aurora, he's like he's like twenty two. He's a young he's guy. He's not a boxer. He's, he's a model. He's, yeah. We, and come um, on, if you're watching this, you know that we did have one of the guys, the the young man who was his opponent, mm-hmm. had a boxing background. Yeah, John. John, who he had like a, and uh, you know, like he was coaching him. And he helping. was yeah. They were kind of helping each other and and, yeah. and trying to make it look real, which was cool. Um, and we got ton of boxing shots and then we went to the law school after that and got a ton of shots um up at the library and then we used the office space down there which i thought that was clever to grab both of those locations same with like the studio on day two now this is the thing i want you to talk about oh, which boy. which i <laughs> now and uh you know don't say what you can't say but the clients there we had the clients who were uh, had come over from china every shot we had a monitor for them you would be out directing and getting the shots and they were literally kind of going shot by shot and approving them and saying, okay, move on. When I first saw that, I was like, oh, my God, that's like. That's how it is in commercials. It, now, is that, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, is this, for, for those of you who are aspiring to direct a commercial one day, is this the kind of law of the land or is that an anomaly? That's more or less how it is, unless you're friends with them and they trust you and you just go on your right. own, which kind of happens. So if you notice the way I was doing it, I planned it. With the assistant director, Felipe Pava. Yeah. Uh, Felipe's terrific. Yeah, he's great. Made everything on time. So I was trying to shoot what they want first and then the fun stuff after so we can do whatever we want. So Get was there the uh, like a shot list that, that you went through that yeah. they had? Yeah, exactly. And it was like, okay, this is their shot list and then I'm going to get some bonus shots. Yeah, I made like red on the first one and everything else was free. Okay, because so. you shot a lot of coverage. Yeah, just... Just in case, because they're, yeah. they don't want me to be part of the editing room. Like, I can know how to, if I'm editing myself, I know how to kind of save it. But if I'm not going to be there, which they're doing it in four different countries, there's China, more in Southeast Asia, and India. And they're all doing their own version, because they all have different styles, different right. voices, language, culture, everything. So I was just making sure everybody's happy, get all the footage, all the coverage. Okay, shoot the guy's phone, shoot the logo of the phone, shoot the guy's hand, pressing this button. Okay, pressing another button, swiping. I had to learn about how to use that phone. Right. And the best part is, or the worst part is, the phone didn't even work. 
they ship a phone that's not even out yet. Well, didn't yeah. work. Well, half the time, um, there was a young lady. Um, I apologize because I forget her name, but she was sort of the Rachel. Uh, Rachel. Yeah, she was prop like master. Yeah, she was. She was in charge of keeping the phone shiny. Exactly. And making sure the phone looked good. And but half the time, it had a, a green screen on it because the, it didn't turn green. I had the green logo and the effects supervisor was helping. Something right. Like that. So but you had like you had like a green on the screen of the phone, and yeah. that would be when they were doing this stuff. Yeah. When they were swiping and, and whatnot, that then they would put they could put in the graphics later. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I don't know if they wound up doing any using any of those for effect shots. In the, uh, in the original. they did, and I used it a couple times uh, uh, in my. Too. But so that was the I think that was the biggest uh, difference between like for me seeing like directing uh, a movie or, or, or something like that where you have a client literally kind of almost literally over your shoulder. Yeah, I mean, movies, um, too. This movie studio could be there on a right. scene. Producers, exec producers, yeah, the exactly. suits. Can they be? And you just have to be comfortable with that. Yeah. And you're very good with that. You're very good at working with the client directly. And, you know, you're, you're an affable dude. So, oh, you. you know, like it, it's like. They like you, and they, you know, they get along with you, and and I think that builds rapport and trust, which they yeah, need to have. It helps. Um, yeah. Um, but we had, um, I, I thought that in, in terms of like the way things were rolling on it, you know, very efficient to do those two look, you know, to shoot that thing in two days. Yeah. Um, we went, we scouted uh, two, three times, and everything, and mm. I took a bunch of photos. How long was the pre-production on it? Um, I mean, the writing process was about mid-July, and we shot almost mid-August, right. so it was like two weeks of approval, back and forth, back and forth, lots of phone calls and everything, and then suddenly it went to full on pre-production, like maybe a week and a half before. And overall, the process, I, I think the, the, you know, the takeaways are like the amount of client interaction that you have to do, mm -hmm. how flexible you have to be, and just the insane amount of coverage that you have to get. Right. Because, you know, you're not, you're not going in the editing room, so you're like, let me get everything and then if they'll if they need it they have it yeah because know? the worst mistake you can make is if you miss a shot or you don't get one shot they don't even think so you gotta think two steps ahead okay shoot this phone this way shoot this guy doing this one or this girl doing this and so on and so forth um so you have to kind of plan ahead of that way because he, you'll be stuck if you didn't shoot that yeah can you imagine they get, they get back to china and they're like oh man we don't have that shot you know, oh yeah. That then sometimes they do reshoots and spend thousands. Right. Uh, the other thing I noticed too was the amount of interaction between you and the AD and the AD and everybody else. So it's kind of another uh, dynamic. If you haven't been on a set or if you haven't been on a commercial set, it's basically it's like a lot of it would be like you telling Felipe the AD, and then he would be talking to camera or he would be talking to people, um, sort of delegating that way. Um, if, yeah. if you couldn't, if you weren't like in earshot yourself. Yeah, I mean, personally, I don't like saying action. So I like when the AD says action. Really? Why don't yeah, you like I, saying I don't know, because I think it's such a typical wor word that people have been using for almost 100 years of film. And I don't know, for some reason, uh, I just don't like saying action. I don't know why. Um, so I have them say action and stuff like that. And I'm usually very close to the cinematographer and everything like that. And then I make mental notes in my head about the actor and stuff like that. So. So the two people, assistant director to this side, very close, and uh, cinematographer to this side, and then, of course, actors <laughs> right. in this part. So, And then you had... Um, but I prepped all the actors before, like days before. Oh, okay. Show. So you, you, you had a chance to do some rehearsal. I brought them to the location, too, and did rehearsal. There. Oh, okay. That's yeah. cool. So, yeah, see, you don't usually, yeah, you don't usually get that time. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, I think it shows because mm -hmm. you got you were able to get some good performances out of people yeah. without having to spend a ton of time rehearsing on looking. Right. I mean, it's yes, it's time and money to get them there beforehand, but you save so much time and money if you can do that. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that's God. That's a thing in film too. Like you just mm -hmm. don't get the time to with the actors beforehand. Yeah, to, exactly. Especially celebrities, you just do it. Yeah, <laughs> you get them like, oh, you got three. Like when you when you were here before, you were talking about that soap opera star, mm -hmm. and she's like, she's got between one and five this day, and then right. you're like, all right. <laughs> or know? the but the celebrity I just worked with in Italy is no time. Yeah, it just she came in, flew in the plane, landed. We. Did it? I actually did one dress rehearsal kind of thing with her, which was rare, which was only an hour, but it was something. All in all, I mean, this thing looks amazing, and Mahal Double. Uh, sure. Is, I, yeah. I'm yeah, so sorry. Mahal, That's great. He's um he's Mihail uh, Double. He was terrific. He's and great. I don't. Whose decision was? Because we we were shooting on the Alexa Mini. Yeah. Which is a wonderful camera, and the I think what really made it give it that look was the Panavision anamorphic lenses. Yeah, anamorphic lenses make it cinematic. And oh my god, it looked like, it looked like a movie. Like oh, thank you. <laughs> like and I think if if they could, you know how they have commercials before movies and mm -hmm. theaters, that's where I would put that commercial. Right. Because it looks like it looks really cinematic right. and great. Uh, and it's almost an injustice to watch it on your phone. You I know. know. I Which know. is what, you know, you see it on Facebook or, you know, uh, Instagram or something. You look on this tiny little screen. It right. just doesn't do it justice. Yeah. But it looked fantastic from mm -hmm. what I saw. And uh, I, I, do you remember the gaffer's name? Because um, he... Sure. Uh, no, oh, my God. He, he was... Uh, he was he, great. He was amazing. Yeah. So if you don't mind... He inspired... Uh, uh, Michael or Mihail, yeah, uh, to buy these uh, tubes, and you just place them anywhere, fluorescent tubes, and you can change it using your. Phone. Oh yeah, yeah, they're like almost and, like Kino flows yeah. kind of thing. And now, now Mihail is the sponsor in Poland or in Eastern Europe for. Oh really? The company now, so oh that's so cool. Door. Uh, he was like the Yoda of lighting. Yeah. Because um, let me let me give I'll do a brief digression here if I can fit this story in. But so I I went there with under the auspices of I'm going to shoot behind the scenes for the show. And uh, I ended up doing both behind the scenes video and photographs for it. And I got kind of roped into doing a photo shoot for the phone. There we go. I <laughs> knew you were it work at the me. studio. <laughs> and because they said, they, they asked me the first day, is like, do you want to do, can, you know, the, the, the client's asking, uh, could you do a few shots with us? Mm -hmm. I said, oh, sure. So I did them in the boxing gym and I did them again in the library. And then I said, you know, to Hong, I was like, Hey, do you, you know, do you want me to, bring, you know, other lenses or something next time if they want more pictures. And he's like, yeah, sure. Came back the next day. Uh, before I know it, they say, oh, we want to get some new shots. And I'm thinking, because you guys are shooting on the roof. And I was like, oh, great. I want to go out in the rain yeah. and get this. And they're like, no, 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 no. We Next thing I know, our gaffer has the back wall of this uh, studio lit with, like, two sky panels and a breeze light. And yeah. um, I'm doing like a full. I got a wardrobe person. I got the hair person. Get everybody. I, I, it was ready. A client was like right over my shoulder, looking shot by shot. Got a I was full like, on job. <laughs> and uh, I was. I was. It was. It was, was great. Photo it was great. Uh, but like. Um, and then you did portraits of the whole crew. Uh, oh and yeah. And then yeah, we went downstairs, that. and I wound up getting portraits of everybody and taking yeah. a big group photo of, of the whole crew. <laughs> um, but and it was. Oh man, I wish I could. The only thing I wish is that I wish I could have been in that downstairs location. Um, but I was roped into doing the photo right. shoot, so I couldn't you get your own uh, studio. But uh, we had, yeah, it was great. It was a type of thing where uh, if, if you want another lesson, here's how you get a job, kids. You make friends, 
And then you hang around on set like a piece of furniture, <laughs> and eventually somebody somebody, somebody will find work for you to do. Well, look, I mean, we met in this the first two shows, and then um, and you were saying, hey, I do these things. I said, do you do behind the scenes? All right, hey, what are you doing this week? And yeah. Then suddenly, next thing you know is you're on a Park Avenue shooting Mission Impossible <laughs> 5. Yeah, that was great. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and to think about it, like, it's a commercial. It's, it's, you know, it's a short commercial, but, you know, we had stunts. We had multiple locations. We're shooting it like a movie. Like, that kind of experience. Like, for someone like you, uh, and this is going to segue into the next thing you're doing, so I'm going to ask you about your upcoming project. Sure. Uh, but, like, um, you know, for someone like you, if you want to move from commercials to features, this thing looks like a feature. Yeah. You know, it looks it looks like a... It looks like, yeah, well, it looks like freaking Mission Impossible 7 or whatever. That's going to be the next number. But uh, so uh, from here, and, you know, we'll have some behind the scenes, and you can check out that. You've got, I don't know if you have that on your website, but it's on my website, uh, the behind the scenes oh, uh, video. Yeah. Yeah. And, but um, tell us about the next thing you work, because you are working on a feature right now. Uh, yes, in fact, I am. Uh, I just finished the script uh, last night. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. You just okay. oh, so you're you're in the <laughs> beginning stages of this. Yeah, and now it's like into development, so I'm pushing it forward with uh, a few interested investors, stuff like that. And then, but the most interesting part is not just shot in places like New York. It's also shot in my personal experiences of places in China and places in Japan, places in Brazil, all these things. So I call it simply, if Indiana Jones played an instrument. So um, your lead character is a musician. And he's he's a New Yorker, mm-hmm. and then he winds up going on like this adventure through a couple of different continents. Yeah. Um, what was the inspiration for it? Was it just you, your musical career, Personal and things like stories. that? Personal stories. Yeah. I mean, I was originally writing a story about a filmmaker. I was like, I couldn't find a, a love for a filmmaker. I don't know why, mm. <laughs> but music is an international language, and people could relate to it throughout the world, as we might know. Right. So I, I thought you can have a motion connection to that, make an amazing theme song, and so forth. Was that the kind of thing where, like, is that where you always wanted to go? Or was just this project needs to be this length, so I'm going to do a feature of it? Um, it happened when um, a tragic event happened to me in Brazil, um, which is a different time for a different story. And that kind of woke me up, and I said, you know what? This, these stories happen so you can tell the world. You should tell the world your story. You're a filmmaker. Make a feature. And I was like, you know what? Why am I just doing music videos at the time before right. I did commercials? And then I was starting developing uh, a feature at that point. And that's really cool, man. Like I wish you a lot of luck with it because I think um, I think your sensibility lends itself to that. Mm-hmm. And I also think it will be interesting for you and a, like a great experience. And also, I just think I think you're going to have more creative freedom than you do with commercials. Like I don't, I don't know if you'll, I don't know who's going to pay for this thing, and they'll probably be there. But you're not going to have that kind of client supervision, and you're not going to have to do that kind of dump, t- dump truck directing where you like yeah. have to shoot the crap out of everything. Yeah. You know, like you're going to be able to say, no, this is this is the coverage I want, and this and, is all. Right. and and you know, and you probably won't have to shoot three locations in one day. Yeah. And right. like be super. It rushed, could be though. You know. It could. Uh, yeah, I mean, thirty and, day shoot. You know. And you're going to shoot it on location. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What different countries are we talking about? Uh, well, what's New York is a different country in its own way. It's true. I think it, of New York is more of an emirate. Than yeah, okay, else. that's true. Yeah, yeah, international. It's, a, it's an island off the coast of America. Yeah, there, there we go. Or, um, or <laughs> somewhere so you, else. <laughs> so you're going to shoot it in New York mm-hmm. and where else? Uh, China. Uh, China. <laughs> um, and oh, then, please. Yeah, please. No uh, impressions. Now. Uh, and then uh, Japan. Um, and then bring down to Brazil, my second home. Awesome. So awesome. Yeah. So 
not just there, it's also kind of thing where we can incorporate different cultures and languages and styles and personalities. I think that's the type of thing. And you know what? You know, because I've seen this too, um, where people are incorporating different uh, stars and different nationalities from different countries, especially the Chinese market, because, you know, now to have, if you want a blockbuster movie, you have to have, you know, people put a Chinese star. Sometimes there's an entire subplot in the movie mm -hmm. that's written uh, for uh, that Chinese actor or even, like, a plot that makes uh, China look good. Like, right. there's a lot of stuff in movies right now, but, but, but the fact that you're going to be filming there that's a whole huge market that you can open up for that film. Mm -hmm. And uh, are you going to do it in different languages or are you going to try and keep everything in um, English? It'll be some parts subtitles and stuff like that where we have different characters would speak it. Of course, English, it's an American film. Everything's back to uh, an English base. Think of um, Inglorious Bastards mm. where it's still an American film shot in Europe about Americans and Europeans and all these different cultures and languages, German, English, <laughs> French. Right, but the, the, people, p the people in China will speak Chinese and the people in Japan will speak Japanese. Exactly. I like that. I mean, uh, it's, it's, always, it's always sort of cringe-inducing when, you, when you're, you're sitting in a movie and these people who speak a different language are alone together and they're speaking English. Right. And you're like, no, that doesn't happen. Yeah, they should speak what they... <laughs> they should speak what they're comfortable exactly, with. Exactly. Like if you're in Brazil, there's two Brazilians in a locker room and there's no Americans or any English speakers present, they're going to speak Portuguese. Right. They're exactly. not going to just rattle off in English to, right. for our benefit kind of thing. Because when you travel these places, you might not know the language, but the fact is you're surrounded by it, and that's what traveling is about, is culture, is listening to the people and hearing these languages and everything like that. And, you know, it's you take something like an Anthony Bourdain TV show and put it into, like, a movie musical adventure. I, I think <laughs> that's going to be something that's done in movies from now on. Honestly, I think that's going to be something where we start to see, and we're already seeing it. We're seeing you know, we're already seeing that internationalism and multiculturalism and stuff. It's got to happen more here. I mean, we live in New York, so we're kind of used to it. Yeah. Um, we, we see that every day. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't know how much they see it in Topeka or, you know. Great place. But, like, uh, you know, uh, maybe if they did, the world would be a kinder, gentler, more tolerant place. Yeah, you know, exactly. Which would right. be nice. Um, anyway, I'm going to wrap up, but... Um, Blake, where can people find you if they want to hire you or, or learn more about your project? Uh, just search Google Blake Farber or BlakeFarber.com or something like that. Or like follow my craziest things on Instagram. You might laugh or might block me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, what kind of adventures. What's, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, just Blake Farber. Okay. Great. So thanks for coming, man. Yeah, I thank really you. appreciate it. It's, it's so good to, to do this. And I think it's a great lesson for our, our viewers or anybody wanting to get into commercials to kind of give a, a sort of real world glimpse of, of what it's like uh, to, to direct or even just be on a commercial shoot, which is a great way to cut your teeth in the industry, I yeah. think. Yeah. And happy birthday, Mihail. <laughs> yeah. Mofo. Uh, this won't come out until after that, but <laughs> yeah, he's we'll, probably we'll send it to him eight. wherever he is. Anyway, and thanks for coming, man. And, thanks uh, for having and me. And thank you for uh, taking this trip down the rabbit hole a third time, Mr. Blake Farber. For more episodes of this show, you can always find us. Uh, find them on our website, btrp.nyc. Uh, we, we can also be found on all the major podcast channels, Anchor, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, for Behind the Rabbit Productions, I'm Jason Godby, and we'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.